Hey guys, my name is Mark Youngman. I'm one of the pastors here at Providence Church. We are calling this Vision Sunday. At least once a year, we like to touch on what Providence is all about. We've got a lot of new people who have joined us online and in person in the last year. We've got folks who have been with us for 12 years. So I'm going to spend a few minutes looking back on where we've been, and then Pastor Jacob has some exciting things to share about the vision for 2021 and beyond. So I want to start with these words from Luke chapter 15, starting at verse 11. Jesus said, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am, starving to death? I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The vision of Providence Church is to see those who feel disconnected from God in the church find hope, healing, and wholeness in Jesus Christ. If you're new to Providence, you might not have heard this. If you've been around for a while, you've probably heard it a lot. As a church, this is what God calls us to. So if you ever find yourself wondering, why did we do drive-in worship three times in the last year? Why did we invest in online pastors? Why do we hand out tons of food from our parking lot to people who are hungry? Why do we give away our largest offering of the year? Why do we send postcards to the community? Why do we have care night on Tuesday nights? The answer is the same. To see those who feel disconnected from God in the church find hope, healing, and wholeness in Jesus Christ. That's our why. That's some of our core language here, but we have some other things that have kind of come out of that. God kind of builds the vocabulary of his church. Some of the earliest language that emerged in the life of Providence is a simple phrase, three words, God did it. These words were spoken by one of the people who pulled together at the very start of Providence. It was a visionary statement, projecting out into the future and then looking back and asking, what if in 10 years we could look back at what everything that God has done and say, God did it. Everything that's happened in Providence Church, God did it. This is a line that puts us in our place. Just in case you think it was you or someone else who did it, it was God. God did it. Just the latest example of that was our Christmas Eve offering this last year, just a few weeks ago. The offering that we completely gave away was the biggest offering Providence Church has ever received at one time, and it was in a year of pandemic. Another phrase you might hear is, you've got to believe it until you see it. We've always been guided by the, the vision statement of the church, but how we live that out kind of adjusts from time to time, which means we don't always know that what we are doing is exactly right, but we know the end that God has in mind for us. We believe in that even more than we believe in ourselves or our clever ideas. So we move on, we keep going as God guides us. This last year has been a believe it until you see it kind of year, right? We're holding on to the promise that God is with us. Another providence phrase is, 
I believe in the healing power of Jesus Christ. This one goes along with the others in that we don't know how, but we've seen it happen. There is healing possible in Jesus Christ. We've seen bodies healed, relationships restored, broken hearts made new, all because of the healing power of Jesus Christ. This phrase leads us to be bold. We say, I don't know what God is going to do in the middle of this, but I believe in the healing power of Jesus Christ. And then we watch him move. Now we've become increasingly focused on this one thing, on the one thing. You'll hear it around here, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. The reason is because Jesus is how the world knows God. Jesus is how the world is rescued. Jesus Christ is how God is visible. The church is often called the body of Christ. So the church is how God is visible in the world. So before we proclaim anything else, we proclaim Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. We speak it calling upon that power. We speak it in times of praise, in times of grief, in times of stress, in times of wonder. It's Jesus who draws the, the disconnected to himself, not us. Jesus connects them with God, the Father, and with himself. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. If you're like me, it's helpful to have an image. We always come back to these words from Jesus in Luke chapter 15 that I, I shared with you. But in that whole chapter, Jesus told three parables, which a parable is like a story that points to the truth. So why did he tell three stories? Because he had just been challenged on his choice to spend time with those who felt disconnected. The sinners, the doubters, the skeptics, the broken down, the tired. Luke 15 starts, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. By the way, tax collectors and sinners. That's code for the outsiders. <laughs> and then it says, But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. It's this big accusation that Jesus is doing something he should not be doing. You know, and I'm always looking for the reaction of Jesus, like, like it's going to say, then Jesus rolled his eyes and said, but no, this is what we get instead. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one. You would leave the 99 and go after the one, right? It's kind of like this lingering, right? I wonder what the response was actually to his, from his audience in that, in that moment. He, he, asked the, he asked it like the answer is assumed. You know, 99% of my sheep are still here. Am I going to go for the one? We are like being formed while the question's being asked, right? And you start to get the idea that this isn't actually about us. It's about God's heart towards us. So then Jesus says, all right, try this. So suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. What did that woman do? She tore up her house to find it. And then, upon finding it, threw a party that surely cost more than the value of the coin. She wasn't willing to lose 10%. And Jesus isn't willing to lose you, to let you fall beneath the floorboards. And then next, Jesus says, there was a man who had two sons, and he loses one. You know, we've been going through this. We've, had, we've seen sheep. We've seen coins. These are things that can remain kind of abstract, right? We're talking about property. But here, here he's talking about a parent and a child. Oh no, is he talking about us? The, the son demands his inheritance. And just a quick note, 
you get your inheritance when your dad is dead and his dad's still alive. So this is a really inappropriate question for him to, to ask his, of his dad. And then it says he receives it and he leaves and squanders it and finds himself sitting in a pigsty, starving, questioning his choices. So he says to himself, my dad's servants have leftovers and I'm starving. Maybe I'll go back and grovel, tell him I'm sorry, repent of my wicked ways and ask for a lowly position in his household. He goes home and probably hesitates as he approaches the property. Why would he take me back? He probably wonders. Then the father, he runs towards the younger son and he embraces him. He doesn't care about him having all the right words. He just knew that he had returned home and that was enough to throw a party. And in the party announcement, he said, he was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Whether we have wandered off on our own or just suddenly found ourselves far away from the Father, it's not hard to imagine the heartbeat of one who is watching God run towards him or her. In the last year, God has blown away our understanding of who the disconnected are. We have all found some disconnection along the way this year. And yet Jesus pursues us, even now. This story has been at the heart of Providence Church for 12 years. It's led us to do a lot of amazing things together. The Christmas Eve offering I mentioned earlier of $204,000 is the most recent sign of that vision. Children in Haiti will eat, and those experiencing homelessness in this community will find a place to rest their head. Here's a quick video from our friends at Grace and Glory and Compassionate Hands. Hey, Providence Church. I'm Tana Clark, founder of Grace and Glory. Thank you, thank you, thank you. This year, you donated $21,000 to Grace and Glory Academy. These funds will allow us to purchase all of the dry and fresh foods necessary to provide daily lunches at school. That's over 300 lunches per day. For some, this may be their only meal of the day. Your giving will help give fuel to our students' minds so they can focus on the knowledge and education they are receiving. It takes a village to run a school, and we are so thankful you are a part of ours. I'm John Grant with Compassionate Hands, and I'm here to say thank you. I have with me my friends Joyce Gaines, our treasurer, and Sheila Weathers, our director of ministry development. And we are so excited by the spirit that moves through this church, and we're grateful to be on the receiving end of it. Sheila? And I just want to say Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You have totally blown us away, and we are very, very grateful. This winter, we're having about 20 men and five women who are spending the night with us. They're safe, they're warm, they're fed, they're surrounded by loving Christian people, thanks to you and your generosity. And then once this winter is done, the Center for Hope and Renewal will be a, will be a place where we work together to end homelessness in Wilson County. Thank you, Providence. Amen. Oh, wow, thank you, Providence Church. And thank you, God. Thank you, God. Let's pray. Thank you, God. Thank you for letting us be a part of what you're doing. Thank you for involving us in this work of, of rescue and seeing those far off come close to you again. Thank you, God. Thanks for getting us through 2020. Thank you for loving us and sending your son, Jesus, 
give to us his vision for this world and for this community. Give us power. Let this be the year that barriers are broken down. Let this be the year that sons and daughters come home to you. Let us be a part of it, God, we pray. Help us, heal us, hold us, God, in Jesus' name, amen. So in late March of last year, 2020, I was standing in my kitchen talking to my wife, Rachel, and I was so afraid I couldn't stand still. We had not had worship services in person for a couple weeks here in this room. And now it was in that moment that I could see that it was going to keep going. I thought at that time, this might last until May. You know, there'd been one pretty steady thing in my whole life, and especially the 10 years of being here at Providence Church. And that was gathering with a group of people in a room for worship on Sunday. I got to do it multiple times on Sunday, and then we added Thursday, and here's the truth. I love it. I love worship with a bunch of people. I love the church. I love the people God has given me to pastor. And when that stopped, I just sort of lost my bearings. Like, I knew how to be a Christian, don't get me wrong, but I lost this kind of anchor point, this rhythm, and I felt afraid because of the unknown. And as one of the pastors of Providence, I just started worrying about it all. <laughs> and what I was talking with Rachel about in the kitchen was money, about finances. That's an easy place to sort of put our fear, isn't it? I just left my bonus room where I'd been on my knees and where I'd said, God, I don't know how this is going to go. I walked down the steps because we were all at home at the time. There was Rachel in the kitchen and I told her, I don't know how this is going to go. You know, she's like trying to cook eggs and teach kids virtually and I'm telling her all this stuff and she's a good listener and she listened as I walked around the kitchen, you know, pulled on my hair and she said, um, well, God has always provided for us, right? I'm like, yes, but we've never been here before. She said, he's always provided more than we need, right? I'm like, yes, you know, she's so rational, like annoyingly rational at times. <laughs> And all I could think about, you know, talking to her, it's like, well, our church has a commitment to a lot of things, a lot of ministries, an amazing staff, a mortgage. I just had no idea how you meet a $2.7 million budget when the basket isn't passed. And Rachel repeated a line that we say now. It's one of those Mark could have added at the beginning, one that Pastor Gary gave us. Rachel said, God can be trusted. Well, 2020, it ends up was our biggest year of financial giving. We ended the year about $150,000 over our budget and then gave away an additional, as we just heard, $204,000 today. Man, you know, 2020, we just sort of ran out of words to make sense of this stuff. And so we just say, Jesus, 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 Jesus. But not just money. I can attach worry to anything. I was concerned. You're like, how are we going to serve a community the way that we seek to do when you can't gather and you can't talk face to face and you can't touch people? And amazingly, we actually think this was the year that we were able to engage our community more than ever before. It started with a tornado and you guys filled up bus after bus to go into the community. We ran shifts of workers on party buses to go in the neighborhoods. And we heard from people that talked about this sea of people, Providence Church people, going into the neighborhoods when they were in ruins. And Pastor Regina began to lead the whole county month after month. And this church became an outpost for recovery relief. Now some of our church members are the key people leading long-term disaster recovery. That, with the pandemic, led this place to become a feeding outpost. Rooms that used to be classrooms then looked like grocery stores. 
Our parking lot without all your cars in it became a place where people lined up to pick up food. We couldn't do Thanksgiving meals like we had done it at our turkey drop like we used to, so the upper parking lot was blocked off. We parked a refrigerated tractor trailer truck, and there you guys showed up with masks and gloves on, and we packed hundreds of meals, more than we ever have before. Our carnival for Soldier's Child, which are children who've lost their parents in military service, we usually fill up this room and have Santa Claus and all this stuff, became a drive-through event, and families from all over the state came and drove through our parking lot and received their Christmas presents and sat in their cars and ate barbecue. Christmas Eve, we normally put several thousand folks in this room. We had a couple thousand out in the parking lot in the cold and at least that many online. And somehow, without a basket being passed down a row, God's people were provided for Jesus, 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 Jesus. We brought the baptism tub back out. It's been back out every week for the last few months. We've seen lost sons and daughters come to Christ. We've had more babies come for infant baptism. You guys have been having babies, probably making babies. I don't know, tons of babies. We had 19 babies in November and December. Parents who stood here and said, we give our child to the Lord. And we said, we will create a community of love and forgiveness. And God is leading us, pushing us into 2021 with power, with hope, with a renewed vision to see those that feel disconnected from God in the church find hope and healing and wholeness in Jesus, 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 Jesus. I wanna tell you about a vision we've had for some years now, but it seems 2021 is the year to move forward. I'm just speaking this in faith, we haven't done anything, but we've had a dream to open a center for hope, healing, and wholeness. Coming out of a pandemic, there is more depression, more anxiety, more suicide, more addiction, more hunger. And we will be looking for a location to open a center for in the Mount Juliet area for people to come and receive counseling, recovery groups, direction spiritually, and more. I need you praying about this. God is actually expanding our call to the disconnected. Our online presence has grown and will continue to do so. Pastor Pierce and Angela will be leading us into the future to connect people with Jesus so we can know more people like Don and Amy in Austin and Kim in Dallas and Mary and Steve in Appomattox, Virginia and Ellen up in Bethlehem, PA and Roger and Celeste in Connecticut and Jenna who met Jesus in her college dorm room. But more guys, I feel our call this year is to seek the presence of God, just to seek the presence of Jesus. There is no answer but Jesus. And so we're gonna wear these shirts out into our community. If you want one, Pierce and Angela will tell you how you can come after the service and come pick one up. We're gonna be carrying Jesus out this year. We'll be praying and fasting more than ever before. We have plans for more ways to have us praying and studying God's word in our homes this year. Providence Church is a miracle only because of the presence of God. People are drawn here because they encounter Jesus here. Like the young brother running through the fields, home to see his father who comes to embrace him. And we see people embrace Jesus here. For a moment though, let us not forget that in the prodigal son story, there is another son, an older brother. Do you know about him? To me, he sort of represents the person who's been in the church for a while. To me, he sort of represents the Christian in America this year. So here's how the story goes on. They had a big party for the younger son. <laughs> And meanwhile, the older brother, the older son, he was in the field. And he began to hear, coming from the house, music and dancing. So he called one of the servants over and he asked him, he said, 
hey, what's going on? And he's like, you didn't hear? Your brother came back. Your dad has killed the fattened calf because he is so thrilled to have him home. And it's right here, guys, that we wish it says that the older son went into the party to party the night away with his baby brother, but it doesn't. The scripture says the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. You never even gave me a goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him? And the dad says, my son, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and now he's alive. He was lost and is found. Honestly, the older son has reminded me more of us this year than ever before. You know, that just kinda, I'm mad, I'm not afraid to say it, I'm not even worried about the facts. There's no evidence the younger son was with prostitutes. That's a conspiracy theory. He's like, this is how I feel and I'm sharing it and I'm not going into the party unless the party is done the way I want the party done. And what the father in the story does is I think what God does with us, he tells us we are his. God is saying to the church, you're mine. Everything I have is yours. Haven't I always provided for you? Haven't I always provided more than you need? But he says, I will keep throwing parties for people who we love, who we thought were dead, and now we know they're alive. Because he's a God who makes all things new. And guys, that's what we're going to do here at Providence keep throwing parties for the ones God is calling home. God's throwing parties for lost sons and daughters to come home, and I've spent all the time I'm going to on the outside mad because God showed too much mercy. Know this week in particular that we are not a church that puts its hope or focus in anyone but Jesus. We don't put our focus or hope in a president. We did not put our hope or focus on Donald Trump for four years, and we will not be a church that puts our hope or focus on Joe Biden. We'll pray for him as we did for the former. We will call out evil and stand against it. When people storm the Capitol parading a Confederate flag in the halls of a sacred institution on a day when a key democratic function is to be upheld, I will say that is not okay. But that will be because we're seeking to see with spiritual eyes what's going on. And we'll have to discern, we'll have to discern together. We have to be discerning what God is calling us to do, not what political agenda to fit ourselves in. Our focus will be Christ and Christ teaching. So like, if you hear me talking about masks, it's because we're seeking to love our neighbor in the way of Jesus, not make a political statement. Or if I'm talking about a stand against racism, don't think I'm aligning us with an organization. I'm aligning us with the gospel of Christ. If I teach on the sacred value of unborn life, I'm not doing that to let you know what side I'm on. I'm seeking to teach the truth so lives can be saved. And what we'll find is that the way of Christ, Jesus, 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 does not fit neatly into any man-made ideology or platform. These are mostly set up for financial gain and human power. Jesus says, give away and give up your power so others can be lifted up. You see, Jesus has always been counter-cultural, and so I will not lead us as a church to mirror culture. And I suspect there will be things we will face where we can't see a clear answer, where we will continue to disagree, and so we'll have to choose to continue. 
to believe the unity of the Spirit is more important than me proving you wrong or you proving you right. It's time for us Christians to stop having older brother pity parties over our political parties and join God's party to see dead people find life. That's the only way we can go, and it's only found in the way of Christ. We will move forward because God has us on a mission to save lives. God gave me sort of a word in my personal life in November for my time here that I need to share with you, and it's this. I'm here for the long haul Providence Church. I don't know what 2021 holds, but I'm here for it with you as the church. The church knows no matter what happens, God can be trusted. And there's always hope and there's always good news with Jesus, 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 Jesus. Amen.